0: Yeah, defending your right to speak and to listen. This is the Free Speech Union Podcast. Kia ora and welcome to the Free Speech Union Podcast. Dennis O'Reilly is a lifetime member of the Black Power, a social activist and an advocate for gangs and their rights. Kia ora and welcome to the podcast, Dennis. Kia ora, very surprised to be here. We're going to talk about the National Party's proposed policy to ban gang insignia that they came up with about a week or two ago now. But of course, you know, they go much further than that. They're proposing bans on freedom of assembly and all sorts of incredibly heavy handed stuff. But uh, first, I, I wanted to, if you didn't mind, I wanted to start a bit with a biography of you because... Before joining the Black Power, I was reading that you were in training to be a Catholic priest. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yes, I got saved from that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we 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 were sort of um, pretty typical um, um, Irish Catholics who emigrated to New Zealand in the late 18, 1800s um, and settled in the South Island. Um, we were sort of um, f- farmers and horsemen you know, Irish upward mobility. Um, My dad had a service station. Uh, All my siblings um, went off to be, you know, to go to university. Um, My brother, Laurie, older brother, Laurie, was a lawyer and he became the commissioner for children. And we had a pretty strong social justice ethic. I think that came from uh, our background. Um, In the 1920s, uh, Irish Catholics uh, in New Zealand were pretty much in the same position as Māori uh, are in New Zealand today. Uh, we were arrested and imprisoned at a ratio of three to one. Uh, we were beset by um, uh, alcoholism uh, and uh, addictions. Um, and slowly we, you know, became cops and then we became lawyers and then we became judges and, uh, you know, and, uh, and I suppose, you know, every Catholic mother or whatever wanted, you know, a daughter to be a nun or a, a you know, a son to be a priest. Um, and I'm, I'm the last in the family. Um, and so I headed up to the uh, Morris fathers at the mission in Hawke's Bay at the mission wineries. Uh, and that was a, a very good year in my life um, from an intellectual and spiritual point of view. Uh, probably the downsize was I'm now a heavy wine drinker.
0: And and so what what took you from from there to to becoming a member of the Black Power?
1: Oh, well, I, I, I went home to Timaru to help my dad out. We had a service station, um, and then I decided to go to university in Wellington uh, to, to study law and i I had it we uh, and I got a job at a service station, Collins Motors in Newtown, and these guys from right way concrete used to come in these Maori guys, and I got to know them um and they'd drink down at the tramways, the local pub in adelaide road um and um they were kind to me um they were um hospitable uh and I witnessed the police, um, in my view, treating them unfairly, and because I was articulate uh, and prone to battle a system, I think, um, I'd stick up for them. And then it just sort of um, developed from there. Um, uh, There there was a scrap in Hopper Street one night, um, and, um, you know, I suppose you know my heritage predisposes me to to having a fight and um yeah. um yeah and so I so I was invited to patch up and then having um thought that was a good idea at the time and then I suppose started to try and head out on a more of a bringing my skills to the fore you know so in terms of housing employment um you know law um, all these guys, most of these guys were um, um, employed, um, high, you know, highly employed. Um, they were building the motorways and uh, and and the big buildings in, in Wellington and the concrete industry, um, and they were you know taxpaying citizens, uh, but they didn't get a very good run at things, um, and uh, their you know um, was poor, housing was poor. Um, uh, there was a lot of racism. Uh, in terms of landlords and all that sort of stuff. And I, that then sort of led me into the Tenants Protection Association. Um, and I became the organiser of the Wellington TPA uh, for a number of years.
0: The men, you you say many of them were employed at the time, which probably... Uh, most were employed. Just about all were employed. Just about all were employed. So what, what type of person are we talking about beyond that?
1: Oh, we're talking about young um rural rural raised moldy um who um came to the city because they were you know sought you know we in the same way as we sought labor from the pacific islands um and, and, and they were needed in the city they got good wages um mm. but were not equipped um to deal with um um park urban life um and uh, you know and were uh, uh, split from uh, tribal things and in in fact there was a sort of a um I don't know the all of that tribal stuff was in a way suppressed and and even um you know there's a famous um oh, westra um uh, a, a Dutch woman a Dutch photographer did a, a thing called wash day at the par and it was a beautiful little um, um, you know story um, and um, but the Maori women 's Welfare League uh, became embarrassed by it, you know and, mm. and so it was suppressed. Um, uh, it was a school journal, I think if I remember at the time, and it was that, it was that sort of situation where moldy um, wanting to make good and wanting to assimilate. Uh, became embarrassed by their young people, um, yeah. and and when Muldoon came in uh, to power, one of the first things he did was he went to the New Zealand uh, New Zealand Maori Council at Narawahia, um and he used the words of Metakingi um uh, who was the second Maori to speak in the fourth uh, New Zealand Parliament in eighteen sixty eight. And Meta Kingi started his speech off by saying, um, I come before you as a child, whereas amongst my own people, I'm an old man. And um and that's mm. how that's how that's how Muldoon started his speech. And um and there were people like Sir Graham Latimer, Sir Norman Perry, um, who listened and he was saying, Look, you guys have got to own these these young fellas, you know? Um uh uh I, I can see you know, they're manifesting as gang that's scaring the hell out of everyone. Um, you know, the, 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 the citizens thought it was the Maori warrior coming to collect the rent or something, you know. Yeah. And um uh and and it was only Latimer and and Sir Norman really that um Sir Norman Perry that sort of really picked that up. Um I I I I I took a you know, I was the speaker for a contingent of black power. Um, it's uh, Sir Graham Latimer's tonguey um and, and we reflected on um on those days um and so that sort of prevailed, you know that being embarrassed by your young fellas um and and and
0: and sort of assuming the worst rather than assuming the best and, and they were they were searching for that brotherhood, weren't they? I mean they were searching. oh
1: yeah well, it was it, they were gregarious by nature, you know what I mean and then this was just a replacement farno. Yeah. Um and, and 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 uh with and when you're a peer group, um, you know, you I mean, you know, it was bloody you know, we drank a lot of alcohol and it was a lot of fun and um, you know, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Winding each other up and stuff. Oh yeah, but I mean, you know, it was you know, like it was all very exciting as compared to the um um you know, to the rural or, you know, provincial sort of stuff. I mean, you know. Um, And it's only now, really, that you've got a gang population um, that reflects the demography of Maori society in general. Um, You know, I've got um, eight adult kids, uh, 18 grandkids, uh, 19 grandkids and eight great grandkids, you know. Mm -hmm. And there there weren't people around when we were 18 or 19 running around the streets who you could – Take counsel from, and and so uh, when Matt Rada started up um, uh, Mana um and uh, Ray Harris actually stood—he stood for Parliament, our our, our founder and leader um, yeah. as a gang member. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't see that today. And no. and and I look—I was a fully patched gang member, um, working in the Department of Internal Affairs, and um, um, you know I ended up you know, being quite a senior bureaucrat um, and ended up being um, the manager of marketing and communications for the Department of Internal
0: Affairs as a patch member, you know. So Mm -hmm. they were different days, I think. Uh, Muldoon is an interesting character. Uh, I've heard a lot and and read a lot about his, uh, you know, what he did with gangs and working closely with gangs and everything. But I'd like to hear that from you because you've described him as a mentor. So I'm I'm just thinking that you're you're going to have the the real inside scoop on the man. So when when I did my masters in social
1: practice, I actually um, went back and studied. Um, I read all his uh, biographies and his autobiography, um, and then see he came from um, socialist lines on on both sides, really, um, and then he was shaped by the Second World War. Um, his dad uh, you know died allegedly from syphilis. Um, he was brought up you know essentially by a solo mum. Um, but both his maternal and paternal grandparents um, were what you might call today social activists or um, you know he- helping in the community and and with an eye for the waif. Um, and I think Muldoon, like most other redneck people I've met, get impressed when they see good honest work being done um in unlikely situations and i think when he saw our work cooperatives and guys going out um earning an earning an honest dollar and paying taxes um and trying to make better of their lives um that sort of forgave a lot of sins um and I, I can remember he he um, um, he, he sponsored us into a, a we wanted a clubhouse and it was up on Murphy Street um, up in uh, Thorndon and it was an ex Ministry of Works house and um, he um, anyway he he, he got a hold of me one day and he said oh Dennis he's in a you know, red, you know the Ministry of Works are complaining that you damaged the building because we're cut a, a wall out to make a bar and everything. Yeah. And he said, uh, and the police are on to me and the neighbours are complaining. He said, I can put up with all of that. I can put up with all of that. He said, but you haven't been paying the rent. You must pay the rent. <laughs> 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 you know, and um, yeah, so, so yeah, I, I, I think um, at, a, at a quite a human level, um, he actually empathized with these guys. Although he could be an absolute prick and um one of my very close friends is Marilyn Waring. Um and um you know of a of a given day um you know I was and especially when, you know, the liquor got the better of him um uh, you know, late in his term. Um I was probably one of the few people could that could speak to them both as a friend on the same day.
0: What what was the material help that he gave you guys? You know, what was he doing? What was his policy? Oh,
1: well, I I I think it was just championship, you know. Um um you know, we we he'd, he'd sort of give um he'd give well-meaning bureaucrats the courage to you know rent us a house or um give us a a contract to cut scrub or uh and all that sort of stuff, and then he saw sense when when we would go through these sort of little um uh, recession type things where you know uh, the economy would drop back a bit um he had um we started programs off the winter employment program um and then the um uh, uh, you know the contract work scheme. Um, you know, so they, they were all designed to sort of try and uh, in the you know as the economy was starting to fall apart and all those um, lower skilled jobs were no longer in demand. Um, uh, you know, he, just to keep people in employment and and it, and it worked. And and here's the rub: um, the gang numbers were actually going down um uh people were you know you'd 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 come in in sort of adolescent or late adolescent sort of um anti you know anti system anti authority um mm. you'd sort yourself out you'd get a missus uh and you'd move on pretty quickly and when mm. all that stuff was disestablished then um it started to pond um and that's when People turned to, um, you know, it, it became criminalized, you know, um, and uh, you know, so people started selling dope and and whatever, you know, uh, and it wasn't all that highly organized, you know, um, but it, uh, yes, but it's we sort of we sort of um, took the aspiration out, you know, and um, and then and then it just. You know, and then the prison population started to rise and, of course, prisons are the recruitment ground for gangs and, and away we went.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that turning point for you, we were speaking about it yesterday. I think I brought it up because I was in Otahu and, you know, there was a Metworks right there, you know, at South Down. So we were sort of more like a like a small Small town in the Waikato or something at that point, you know, like everyone knew everyone and everything, but once that meatwork went, the complexion of the whole town changed, you know, like we were running around at night, you know the stuff got a lot more violent, all that everything went pear shaped real real quickly. there was a real real tangible social cost like when I look back it's it's like a tale of two cities really. Mm.
1: Well, when people when people don't see themselves with self worth, you know, and uh, you know, the the the, you know Paulo Freire used to say that the real harm of unemployment isn't actually the unemployment; it's the it's the lack of self worth, Um, and um, you know, and you've just got to look at you know without getting too bloody academic the Maslovian hierarchy and things like that Um, in the main. You know no no Kiwi should really be hungry or or without shelter um mm-hmm. and 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 so it's when you lack community respect and all that sort of stuff that's when you start to turn you turn in on your own community and then the things that you are denied success in you uh, create a counter narrative so you know people would proudly wear you know, the stars beneath their eyes to indicate how many years they'd done in jail and, you know, all the things that would be deemed as being failures in, in um, mainstream society um, were, um, uh, you know, lauded and guys would dress in, you know, disgusting Bloody clothing, you know. I mean, Mm. um, to look more, more and more derelict, and
0: and and I mean, it's so the grimes keeping the grimes on you. Yeah,
1: yeah, but and isn't it paradoxical now that that you know, like there's complaints because people are wearing too much
0: bling, you know, or or, you know what I mean? It's just ah, you can't win. But anyway, no, no, (laughs) I think for us too, you know, just to get a bit personal is. um, when when we saw our fathers just not able to get into second gear and get that get that new job because there wasn't really new jobs for guys like that, um, you know, and they hit the bottle a bit more and stuff, you know, we had to we had to watch that as young men, you know.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I think um, I think what happened is particularly in Maori society, uh, alcohol um, was used by the crown. Um, as a management tool during the Second World War um, to calm the nerves and whatever. Um, And um, when the men came back, they came back not only with terrible psychological trauma um, but sometimes with heavy binge drinking um, uh, habits. And that then started to normalise domestic violence and mm-hmm. that became intergenerational. So I, I think I think there will be um, sociologists in, in years to come who will start to join these dots.
0: So there's a turning point where where the Muldoon policy, whether it was that formed up or loose or just you know basically you know making sure people could work when they could you know and were kept employed. There was a moment when that change wasn't there? There was well, a that was, that, was the,
1: that was the fourth Labor government. Um, that was seen as being creating distortions in the labor market. Um, it didn't fit in with uh, structural unemployment. Um, and there was, uh, I think Phil Goff in particular uh, had a very, um, Judgmental view on 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 things the deserving poor, um, as opposed to um, you know our crews, and um, yeah, sort of it 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 went skoo whiff from there. The um, the group employment liaison service, which had been established after the committee on gangs in 1981, and following the 1979 uh, ministerial inquiry into violence. that was disestablished, and even though it was supported by Justice Sir Clinton Roper um, in 1987, um, we we just did away with all that sort of stuff. Uh, and again, you could just about track the prison population, the turn of the prison population um, from that point on. Um, and it, it's interesting that it's 1987 is the last time we actually sat down and looked at this stuff um, deeply um, without, um, you know, without responding to, you know, some political drama. Uh, And and Mm. if there's anything that the new minister does, would be just to just take a pause and consult. Um, You you were talking about there, you know, as young people watching you know your fathers disintegrate and domestic violence arise, and all that sort of stuff. Well, there are a number of young people um who have now gone to university um who are children and gang families and I've seen some of the um the theses and uh and uh, uh you know and there's some huge insight there from people with lived experience um mm. and, and it'd be it It'd be damn good to um just take a bit of a breather and for everyone to sit down and um all about what you know first of all to describe the actuality of the situation that we've got at the moment rather than the perception um and then having described it to define uh what it is that we have to do uh and I you know um we can't do a hell of a lot about the war in the ukraine or global climate change or whatever But surely we can get our act
0: together in our own land. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sort of takes me to Nationals' proposed policy, which we're standing against as the the free speech union, uh, because the thing with censorship in in terms of a gang, uh, you know, I knocked around with some of these guys when I was younger. I mean, they see themselves as outlaws and outside of society. So how, how would censorship ever be a disincentive to a person that views himself as outside of polite society anyway? To me, I, I cannot see any logic there.
1: The, 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 um, the accusation thrown against the current government is that they've been soft on crime. And it's not just against the current government. It's actually a fair bit of it um, is thrown against the commissioner uh, who's soon is seen as being woke or whatever. Um, But actually, I think what we're seeing is leadership from someone who's being smart on crime. Um, And being smart on crime means deploying your resources and looking at the cause and effect um, things at play. Uh, And conversely, unfortunately, I think Luxon has been sucked into a bit of a vortex there. Um, by his police spokesman. Um, and, you know, I think what they're promoting is, is being dumb on crime. Um, Muldoon sent me to Jamaica in 1977, um, uh, just at the end of the state of emergency there, uh, when all the rude boy were coming and Rastafarianism was firing up in um, in England. And I went back... Uh, there in 1981 to Toxteth in Brixton, um, and Brixton, um, and and again in 1992 when I did a thing at Oxford University, and um, we we have managed we managed to sidestep all of that stuff that a lot of the other Commonwealth um, um, you know Commonwealth countries the, the the sort of riots in Brixton and Toxteth and um and all that sort of stuff. Um and we we did that in several ways. In nineteen seventy-nine Muldoon sponsored a um a, a black theatre group um to come out here uh, called Keskedee um and we did a tour of New Zealand and out of that rose a lot of moldy music and a lot of moldy theatre and the thing about theatre um is that you can say stuff and and exhibit stuff on stage that would otherwise not be permissible, um, and get it off your chest, as it were, in a dramatic fashion. Yeah. Um, and that's the opposite to um, you know,
0: trying to suppress free speech. Yeah, it's 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 a um, it's a, a valve to let off steam, isn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, and and you know, um, I, I mean, it, to me. It doesn't matter what you wear or whatever. Just don't behave like a prick, you know. Yeah. You know, um. And yeah. And I, th- I think you know. I think we confuse the uniform, you know, with the behaviour, and
0: it's the behaviour that's the issue, you know. Um. Hmm. Well, it's like the concept of hate speech. Like uh, I know an imam who who I work with a bit, who is a Muslim imam who's pro free speech. And his concern with hate speech is, well, you're addressing the speech, but the hate's still going to be there. Right. So this is a very similar situation, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, you, took, you, you, know, you, you made him change his T-shirt. I mean, that's all you really did. <laughs> well, when, after, after Christchurch, you know, um,
1: I went with a body of, um, you know, about 50 mongrel mob and black power leaders and their families um, to the mosque um, in, in, uh, in Wellington. Um and um, uh, um, we were all patched up, and um, the cop, the the women, the women cops that were there, were great, but then the the the, the you know the, the the male cop who was in charge sort of you know took took Edge to fighty and me aside as and uh and was you know you know, sort of criticizing the wearing of patches and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I said to them, look, if it was the Imam who was telling us to this was not appropriate, um, then it wouldn't be a problem." you know what I mean? Like no one would people would come to support, not to intimidate, you know. Yeah. And um he just couldn't get it. Whereas, whereas the whereas the Muslims were, hey, thank you,
0: brothers and sisters, for coming to support us, and they just didn't see a problem, you know. Censorship in terms of how the average gang member would look at it: are they laughing at a policy like this? Is it making them more hostile to power? How? Because, because I think about this because I'm Jewish myself, and I think about this in the context of, say. Nazis or neo-Nazis, right? And I think to myself, if if you suppress them and go after them with the, the censorship of them, you know, I mean, they could say some horrible things about us, and I, I accept that. But if you take that away, they're going to think that we're responsible for that. It's not going to make them like us anymore. And I just wonder is that siege mentality that people can get from censorship, is that a concern, do you think? Early on, um, you know, the Mongrel
1: mob, you know, used to quite profoundly, you know, wear swastikas and say Sieg Heil and and all this sort of stuff. And I, I used to wonder where that came from. And um, yeah. in doing a um, – there's a thing called Section 27 of the Sentencing Act um, and the, these things called cultural reports. And I sort of uh, developed a bit of a – a niche in there to try and understand how these might be well done, and interviewing some of these guys, they would talk about the brutality of their grandparents, their grandfathers, um, you know, and and their um, and all their courtial about the twenty eighth Mary Battalion and all that sort of stuff, and mm. so and then you see these young fellas started to adopt. Um, German helmets and swastikas and, say, Sieg Heil. And it was like, you know, once they'd reached adolescence or, or you know, near adulthood and they could actually physically stand up for themselves, um, they were using that to say, well, stuff you. Um, yeah. Put your 28th Mary Battalion up your ass, you know. Um, now, um, uh, Sonny Paitul, the mob leader in the Waikato, um has asked his people not to wear swastikas and not to say seagale uh because he doesn't think that it advances the cause in any way. Now that's a bit of self-censorship, if you like, or or
0: mm.
1: or um understanding semiotics. Uh you know, one of the things that we've been lucky with, I think, in the Black Power is we've got the upraised fist, you know, hearing a uh, is a is our symbol and that's a, that translates internationally you know um yeah. so i, I, I yes yeah, so i think um when you know michael laws in his um predisposition to um uh, you know treat people as an underclass and to, to sneer at them um i see so he says he tries to say that the Banging of gang patches um, in Wanganui was a was a you know great success, but how do you explain all of the gang murders and all that sort of stuff that followed? That it didn't seem to me to do anything great. Um, and well, then, no. and then when you try and play with that semiotic, you know, with that that sign or that representative thing that you might be wearing. Um, you know, in, in, in modern day, um, imagery and that you can manipulate that and have, have a lot of fun with it. You just, it's like trying to, it's like trying to, um, constrain a cloud. Um, you, you just mm. can't. And it, it's a stupid route to go down.
0: It, it would just, I mean, that's what the, the concept of a dog whistle is, really, isn't it? It's like if you can't, um, uh If you can't say it outright, you'll just find other ways to sort of insinuate or anything like that so yeah
1: okay. and, and and these you know look I see these young fellows, so there's a few marae in that that have banned patches um and which I think is counterproductive um however, that's their prerogative, but you see the young men of those they they wear their gang regalia. Um, in a much more subtle way, yeah, you know what I mean. you know they <laughs> they don't, they don't yeah. say mongrel Mob" on it or anything like that, but they, they you'd be dumb if you
0: didn't pick up what all those white t-shirts with red or what you know what I mean. So well, well, if, like in, growing up, even in the in the mid '80s in Otahuhu if I went into a party with a red scarf with no dots on it or anything, just a red scarf around my wrist, people would assume I was trying to make a statement about, you know, and it probably wouldn't have been a smart statement to make in Ōtāhuhu back then, yeah. you know, but that's just a colour. It's, it's just a colour. You can't and, ban colours.
1: And 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 so when here in Napier, for instance, when we were having trouble at civic events, um, um, we tried to develop a policy called colourblind um, between the crews. We, we've just done that at the EIT um the eastern institute of technology where there was you know disputes were coming up between guys who came from you know different affiliations um and so you know so colorblind you know it's irrelevant what you're wearing son in this context you know now yeah. when um when someone comes patched up to someone else's different turf as a deliberate and provocative act mm-hmm. um and so you know, that's a different story. And and, and so I was the chairman of the, the rugby league um here for a number of years and we developed a policy called no patches at these matches. Um and people willingly um didn't wear the you know, we, we, we said no this is just gonna stir shit. Um and so that's not you know, that's not enforcement, that's not suppression that's you know um that's not censorship that's you've you're figuring stuff out for yourselves and each other that's not going to
0: you know light a fire um it's creating a neutral zone where um yeah that's not inviting yeah. the conflict
1: but but then when the moment you try and impose that and if you look at if you look at that um uh you know, the event that happened at Parliament, you know, when when it sort of turned into a riot. Yeah. Mate, there was only there'd be fifteen or twenty people at the most who were behaving violently. And that and that required a thousand cops. Mm. You know, so if you think, you know, you've got a you know, there's a tongue or something and you know, there's six hundred six hundred of a gang there.
0: Well
1: what you think you you know, unless you're gonna go around and militarise the whole damn country and turn it into a police state, how do you yeah. how do you think you're gonna enforce that? You know, so it's all very well having these you know, you know, take the bikes off the bike is normal you know, and and it's it's don't don't think the Tories have got a uh, a monopoly on it. Um you know, and, and, and if you look at those successive governments and, you know, kicking off with Phil Goff, they just kept on trying to get a bigger hammer. Um, and the thought was that, um, not understanding, um, not understanding behavioral economics, uh, they thought that if the tariff was high enough, um, you'd, you'd stop doing it. Whereas, nah, um, you know, they'll just, the boys will just tolerate more and more punishment because there's no damn way you're going to make them buckle. You know, you know the, the 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 Americans
0: learned that against the Viet Cong. You know, well, well, that was the point I was sort of making about the the whole idea of censorship. Really, just makes people dig in and, and say, "What? Take take off my patch, take yeah. off my shirt, yeah. take off my yeah. hat. What? Yeah. You know, get stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> take yeah. it off me. You know." Like, it, it's not really going to, I mean, people aren't going to go shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, I better, better lead gang life, I guess. <laughs> I can't wear my patch. Yeah. But a fair thing
1: would be to say, you know, that behavior is not acceptable, bro. And if you can differentiate between affiliation and and what you wear and your behavior and you focus on that behavior, then then you're going to get. You know, you're going to get consensus because because most people, you know, most people actually want to do good. Most people, you know, want to lead a trouble free life and, and whatever. Um, so it's a and and that's why there is nuance in these things. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 I agree. I think censorship is a you know is dumb.
0: Censorship feels. <laughs> You know, I I don't hear it coming out of places like South Auckland. I don't hear many people connected to communities like that calling for it. It feels like something that, um, you know, more the middle class type move. Maybe, that, you know, I think it, it works intuitively in their heads, but if they don't have that lived experience of, you know, especially multicultural communities where we yeah. give each other shit and yeah. throw you know, barbs around in a friendly way. And, and, you know, it's almost like it was important to do that. It was a little bit of lubrication, you know, (laughs) for some of these relationships. And I I just wonder – see, Willie Jackson is a guy that can talk – he can talk the talk of the street. I I think he would understand it. But I wonder if a lot of people who are our, you know, leaders, for want of a better word, uh, I mean, how connected are they to these communities, you know? Like, they. it's just –
1: I think you've got. Here's here's the great here's the great shift. I think that has occurred. Um, so Justice Sir Joe Williams, you know, so mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, there was Coopie's Law, and then along came Cook's Law, and shunted Coopie's Law to the to the side, and you're now seeing Coopie's Law start to reassert itself. And you know, Joe Williams came out of out of um, You know, mongrel Mob experience in Hastings, Uh, Mm. and and you've got a lot of you know people now on the bench or in in these things who um, are familiar with you know they see the realities of gang life. They've you know grown up through it and um, succeeded in spite of it, Um, and a bit like I was saying in our own family's experience. you know having you know, you know, Irish Catholics in the 1920s, um, yeah, sort of it sorts itself out if, if if you if you keep on focusing on that which is good, um, and dialogue, you focus on dialogue, you well, well, Joe, Joe, Joe calls it phanongatanga, he says, you, yep. you, you know, now whinaungatanga, that is the uh, practice of your family responsibilities, um, isn't just a cuddly thing. Um, It can be very confrontative. Um, And when you are confronting uh, domestic violence or sexual abuse or, um, you know, bringing, you know, methamphetamine into a community or whatever, that, that ain't that ain't easy. That, that's, that's, that's quite tough. And, like, I live in a, in a Um uh, We've built, I suppose, 20 houses around here over the last few years. Um, mm. And learning to live together again, a lot of the people come back from the city and whatever, um, was, you know, was pretty challenging. And, and you, you know, you have to take a stance. Um, but you can do that at a community level. You know, and it's right. o- and and again, I think this is, um, you know, where Costa's smart, and he talks about um, policing by consent. Um, it's only it's only when you, you know it gets out of hand that you've got to ring up the sheriff, eh? You know what I mean? You can
0: actually sort a lot of stuff out at a community level. Um, the interesting thing about uh, that policing by consent, I mean, it does get people's backs up. But if if I got into a bit of trouble when I was a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. There was always the young cop who was in my face and, you know, he was an inch away from my nose going, you, you know, what's going on? You know, and and then an older cop would wander over and go, all right, mate, what's upsetting you? What's going on? That, you know, the guy that had been been around the block a few times, he knew that, you know, that aggression would just work me up. And then I'd end up getting a hiding, well, and 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 it would be wouldn't be worth it. But well, the being, older guys, I mean, I've been, I'm, yeah, I've had a few experiences where these, you know, I've been a bit of an idiot, drunk or whatever, and this older cop is, is gone. Okay, mate, what's going on? What's going on? And I've just calmed right down.
1: Would you remember Schultz, um, Sergeant Schultz, up in uh, you know, in know who, 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 who you could you could send in team policing with with. 20 men and battens, or you could send in Schultz, you know. Mm. Um, now, look, here's – I've just brought up on the screen here. Um, this is going right back to the foundation of the New Zealand police, right? Mm. Um, maxims for general guidance of members of the police force. Number one, constables are placed in authority to protect, not to oppress the public. Yeah, how's that for a bloody good start? Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. and, and so, you know, they're saying now. Well, and this is eighteen sixty something. Yeah, um, you know. So they're saying, "Oh, cost are oh, you woke and all that?" Well, and what does woke mean? Is that does woke mean that someone's awake, they're conscious of what's going down? You know. But anyway, I mean, there you go. There's the first. You know, there's the first. Thing, uh, or, or you know, the first statement is a maxim for the general guidance of members of the police force in New Zealand. Constables are placed in authority to protect, not to oppress
0: the public. You know, mm. yeah, and, and and tying it back to this uh, ban on insignia, all it feels like is harassment. It, I I I can't see. Positive outcomes. It's it, well, it feels it, completely it, it, designed just to it, oppress and harass. It, look,
1: it's it's that's not the most annoying thing about it. The annoying thing about it is it's so stupid. Yeah, that's what, you know, he, he can get pissed off with being harassed, you know. But god damn, if it's just stupid, that really <laughs>
0: that that would piss me off more than anything you know <laughs> yeah well i mean you've had a i mean dialogue is an important part of your life isn't it i mean you're you're having hard conversations you're wanting to sit down with people you do see a path through dialogue through people sharing experience and uh, you know there's a lot of talk about censorship today um and i don't think there's enough of a focus on education generally in, in terms of dealing with racism gangs anything like that it has to come down to sitting across a table um, and uh, and having conversations that's that's my belief so that, that is am I getting you right there yeah well I think you so so you
1: you've you've got you know you've got to build purposeful communities I, I'm I'm um, uh, one of a Sets a study in in uh, Great Britain um, was looking at um, what happened up at Easter House when they moved the Gaubles, um you know, up up off off the Glasgow, um, uh, you know, wharves and that, and um and when I see the new social housing in Auckland, I'm thinking, oh my God, we've learned nothing, you know, uh, the 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 Easter House had the reputation of becoming the worst place in Great Britain to live, you know? And um mm. so we've you've got to go about purposeful community building, not just building a whole lot of houses and then shoving people in there and 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 think that they're gonna have a ripe, happy old time because it's got, you know, air conditioning or whatever, you know. Mm. Um so and it's the same, you know, it's like peace, isn't it? Peace is not the absence of war. You know peace is actually something you really got to work at, yeah you know and and it does mean um uh debate um we um we had a um we challenged the the Black Power in Wellington challenge the um we, 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 you know debate is really good because you've got to look at both sides of things so we've got a black power debating team going. And, um oh, okay and uh and uh, there's a, a guy called John Wareham who is now living in in uh, Mount Morgan in, in todonga and uh anyway so um so we challenged the the, the moot um was that um parkia o Maori a decent living um and the black power had to take the negative interesting um, and we uh, we took on the uh, parliamentary debating team who just won the Australasian Championship. We did it at the Michael Fowler Centre with an independent adjudicator, uh, and the Black Power team won. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, it, it you know what I mean? So you you gotta, and that, that's the thing about like a marae, you know, and, mm. and, and 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 the first all you know? mm. happens out the front. Uh, and that's the god of war on on the here you know. And then when you come inside, uh, is Rungul, you 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 and and they'll you know fiercely debate um, these these things. Um, yeah. And, and so we need, you know, we just relax, you know, like
0: just have a bit of faith in each other and. Spit it out! And, <laughs> it is about it is about faith in each other, isn't it? It's like you know censorship assumes a contempt for for your fellow citizens on a level. I think uh, you know we should be able to have those hard discussions. So
1: I, I mean, I you know I I, I had a um. Uh, some journalists talked about you know you know taking a tank to gangs and and whatever and so I I you know I described it as hate you know I said what well, what are you what are you talking about you're going to blow up my family and my kids and my grandkids or something you know what I mean and mm. and so I I took I made a complaint to the press council and said that was hate speech you know <laughs> I mm. I just really wanted to have an argument you know um, yeah. uh, and 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 um, you know Simon Bridges said, "I hate gangs," and I said, "Well, oh, you know, hate's not a very good basis for a social policy, bro. You know, it's an emotion and not a very useful one at that." Um, shall we have a debate? Uh, but he was too wise uh, to um, uh, to uh,
0: indulge me in that. <laughs> hey, well, Dennis, this has been a fantastic conversation. We've gone for nearly an hour, and I knew it would be awesome and i just really appreciate you giving us this time yeah well you, you snuck up on me there all right <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should make you a lifetime member of the free speech union
1: <laughs> oh I, you don't need to make me a member mate i, I i'm
0: i'm i'm quite self-empowered yeah awesome yeah. hey thank you thank you so much kia ora. okay bye bye Thanks for listening to the Free Speech Union podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or find out how you can get involved or support, you can head on over to fsu.nz or check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Ka kite anō.